Hey everybody, it is a special edition episode of the Running Rogue podcast. Chris and Steve are coming at you from Austin, Texas, and we're going to be talking Chicago Marathon preview today. We've got to break down the fields for you for this weekend's race and give you our predictions. See how this one plays out. The race on the American side is a little bit less exciting as we thought it might be because Jordan Assay and Amy Hastings Craig have dropped out, but we've still got a couple of interesting elite female women in this field and, of course, Galen Rupp at the front of the men's pack. So it's going to be still some interesting storylines for the Americans and, of course, some really interesting international storylines as this Chicago field is is sort of back to where it deserves to be in terms of depth you know there's been a few years over the last couple of years where they took away the pacers where they didn't have quite the depth that they used to have but it seems like with this field they're bringing their a game again it in some ways is deeper than the berlin field so we're going to have some really intriguing races on both sides so we're going to break all of that down and give you our predictions before we jump into that didn't want to give you the details on how to watch the race obviously it's this sunday the race Coverage starts at 8 a.m. Eastern. The race itself starts at 8.30 Eastern or 7 and 7.30 Central Time. You can catch it on NBC Sports if you have cable or behind the internet paywall on NBC Sports Gold. You can watch it online there. So not too bad in terms of getting up to watch this race versus Berlin, at least for the Americans. And so... Let's break it down, Steve. I'm going to start with the women's race this time. Last time we started with the men's race. We'll start with the women's race this time. It's unfortunate. First of all, we just have to recognize the unfortunate nature of not having Jordan Hesse and Amy Hastings Craig in this field because it seems like the international field is such that these two could have potentially gone for an American record. That's not happening anymore. So that's a little bit of a bummer. And But in spite of that, as we talked about on, I'm not sure if it was our last episode or the episode before, they made the right decisions for them as athletes. We've still got a couple of years for them to get ready for the Olympic Games. And so it's better for them to be healthy in the long term than perhaps risk injury in a race like this. So we applaud them stepping out and wish them the best in coming back. As it relates to the field that we see, we've got... A pretty stacked women's field on the international side, at least for the Ethiopians and the Kenyan athletes. We've got three women who've run under 220 in this field. Two of those Ethiopian athletes, Rosa Dereje and Burhani Dababa on the Ethiopian side. And then Florence Kiplagat, who is a two-time Chicago champion, but... And has run 219, but hasn't finished a marathon since April of 2017. You've got Bridget Kosgi, who's run 2.20.13, so just over two hours and was last year's runner-up in London. And then, of course, you've got Laura Thweet and Gwen Jorgensen on the American side that will be competing in this field. Probably not going with that front group, but will hopefully log PRs on Sunday. So this field is certainly not as interesting without Hesse and Craig, but how do you break it down, Steve? Uh, you know, I think this one is um, 
the really interesting thing is we've got basically, I think, four women who are in that 219, 220 range, and they all are probably going to be ready to... They'll probably be in that fitness when we see them, you know. Um, I think in a lot of ways, the the fastest runner in the field, um, Dereje, who ran the... Who won Dubai, which you and I have now referenced a few <laughs> times as being both um, a, being a double-edged sword. Sometimes it indicates greatness. Sometimes it indicates that they're gonna they're gonna blow up. But um, you know, I think it's kind of hard to determine with this group who who will come out on top. I'm not gonna be very confident with my picks, but I do think we can be pretty confident that there'll be an interesting race because you've got enough women in that same ballpark. Um, and two of them are Ethiopian, so they're going to be a little bit more uh, measured in their approach and, and the way that they take the race. And then you've got Florence Kipagat, who is a, you know, she's done this many times. She knows what she's doing. Now, she's she's had a lot of great success in this race and in many marathons, although the last, I don't know, two year, year or two years, she's run really poorly and has not had breakout performances. So I think that's sort of the storyline here, Chris, is are we going to get a, are we really going to get the Florence Kipagat that we know is, we're capable, that is capable of winning this race? Then is Dereje real from the, you know, the, the, the woman who won Dubai? And then will someone in the Dababa, uh, <laughs> the Dababa family have a, have a, have a, have a big day? You know, to me, I'm a little bit more confident that, we're going to see um, Brahani Dababa run a, a, a really good race. I think um, winning Tokyo is a huge, huge feather in her cap. Um, and she won Tokyo in, what, 219, just under, two, not under 220. So she's, she's coming in with, in my opinion, with the most, um, with the most pedigree because I just can't, count on Dereje's ability to show up because it was Dubai where she raced. So, <laughs> but again, I think they were going to get four women in the race that are going to be going blow for blow. Um, and probably one or two others slipping in there who we haven't really discussed. Although at this point in time, it's really interesting to see how much lower quality will this race be than what we saw at um, Berlin this year. Because if you compare this field and the Berlin field, um, yeah, the Berlin field was better, but this field is still really, really good. Yeah, on the women's side, for sure. It's good on the men's side. I'm sorry. No, no, I mean... I mean, It's on both sides, yeah. Berlin was maybe slightly better on the women's oh, side, yes, that's but true. this is yes, definitely better sense, on yes. the men's side. I think the, the biggest challenge in handicapping this women's field is we don't really know what we're getting from some of these women. You know, there are question marks... With the exception of maybe Dababa, there's question marks across the board. Dereje, as you said, we've kind of realized that the Dubai results, for whatever reason, tend to be a little bit of fool's gold, so to speak, where people might have a good day there and then never show up again. And Rosa Dereje, she's a 21-year-old Ethiopian who won Dubai in 2019-17 to set a three-minute PR. So, you know, there's questions as to is that real or not? And will she be able to come back from that result and get another big result? We, we just don't know. Florence Kipple got two-time Chicago champion, but it's been a little while since we've seen her on top of a podium. So she's got a couple years in her personal best 
of 219 was run in 2011. You know, and the last time you know, she finished the marathon was London in 2017, where she ran 226. So we're not sure what we're getting from Kiplagat, at least in terms of current fitness. Although her camp is saying that she's sort of back on form after struggling with some injuries. Then Dababa. And her camp includes Canova. (laughs) So she will be physically prepared for this race, for sure. Right, right. And then Dababa, Tokyo champ, I think she, as you said, probably is the the surest bet of this field, knowing that she had that result in February. And she's run Chicago before. She's finished third a couple times here. So she knows this course. Kosgi is another one that I like because she was run up last year to Jaranesh Dababa and she was second in London in April. So she has a couple of recent second places in majors that show that she can put some things together. So she had a really solid, she got second at the Great North Run too, just a couple of weeks ago, which is yeah. another, you know, a month ago, which is also a good indicator. She's got things dialed in right. So yeah, then the other Ethiopian, Shuri Demise, Who's run 220? You know she did that in several, or I guess a couple of years ago, but hasn't run faster than 222 since then. Finished fourth in Tokyo, so she may be in the mix, but probably less likely. So as you say, it kind of comes down to these four women: Dereje, Kiplagat, Tababa, Kosgi. I'm gonna go ahead and throw my picks out there, Steve. Bring it, and we'll see how you respond. But I'm gonna go with. Dababa for the win, so a different Dababa this year getting the win. Kosgi for second to reprise her second place from last year. I'm going Kiplagat for third, and I'm going to assume Dereje is fool's gold and somehow doesn't show up at this one. What do you think? Cool. Well, I'm going with um, I'm going with uh, Dababa for the win as well because I just think. That result that she got, um, I just think her Tokyo race, the timing of it, where it sits, um, it's all lined up. And uh, I just think that, that she's going to be the most prepared for a competitive race. Um, then I'm going to pick um, Dereje for a second. I think she's real. I think she actually could get the win, but I just don't want to pick her because it's too much of a, I don't know, it's... If I were if I were competing with you in this regard, I would pick her for the win. But I'm not picking her for the win because I just want to get it right. So I'm going to go second for with Dereje. I'm actually going to put um, I'm going to put Kosge at third. I think that she's going to be better ready, and I'm just not convinced Kiplagat is all the way back. And um, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think I, I don't I think I'm going to I'm not going to go with her. I'm going to put her at fourth place. So there's my picks. We got a little bit of a different. Different lineup. I don't see an American breaking in to this group. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about the Americans in just a second, but I don't think it's possible unless these women fall apart for either Laura Thweet or Gwen Jorgensen or any of the other women in the field to be able to make an impact here. Um, now, one thing we haven't talked about, Chris, is the weather and what the weather's going to what the weather's looking at right now. But I just don't think that's going to affect either the Kenyans or the. Um, Ethiopians enough for them to have a really poor performance and to give an American an opportunity to to slip in. Yeah, I agree. But let's talk about the Americans. You've got Laura Thweet, who would be at the top of the list in terms of PRs. She's run 225 at 
London in 2017. She's one that we've talked about before as having great potential at the marathon, but she's been she'd been dealing with an injury that you dealt with, Steve, osteitis pubis, which is really tough inflammation of the joint around the kind of sort of the pubic bones, the pelvis area, which is a really difficult injury to sort of work through once it sets in. And so she's been coming back from that and basically has spent the last 18 months or so sort of coming back from that. And we just don't know exactly where she is. And so this is a little bit of, I think this is her first marathon back in dealing with that issue or post dealing with that issue. And so we're not really sure what kind of form we're going to see from Laura Thweet. And my gut tells me that she's not going to be quite in the 225 shape that she was at London because of the challenges coming back from an injury like that. But we'll see. And then, of course, we've got Gwen Jorgensen, who debuted in the marathon with a 241 after winning gold in Rio in the tri in the triathlon world is now a full-time marathoner is racing Chicago has admitted in the, her recent interview that she's not in 219 shape <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh but she is going to go Th- out there thanks Gwen <laughs> yeah she's going to go out there and give it her best race sort of she talked about running her own race and but we just don't know I mean this is her second marathon her first one under Jerry Schumacher's guidance. We just don't know what kind of form she's going to be in. We thought and speculated that maybe this was going to be a chance to help her teammate and maybe get some experience running with that lead pack. But now we know that's not happening. And she has said in her interview that she's going to run her own race. So we don't know exactly where she's going to get end up. We don't know if maybe she and Laura are going to be able to work together potentially if they have similar goals or if there will even be like a second pack of Pacers. We're not sure. So open questions as to what we'll get from those two athletes. But what do you think? I mean, if you had to make predictions on time for Thweet and Jorgensen, what would you say? Well, Thweet's indicated she thinks she's in PR shape, but that doesn't mean she's going to run a PR. So I I think we're going to get a solid race out of Thweet, the one that gets her back into the conversation of that second tier of American marathoners that if they have a great day on an Olympic trials day have an opportunity to, to slip in and, and, and get a spot on that podium which would put them on an Olympic team and I think that that's what Laura's training for and so I don't think that there's going to be a, 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 a win or die kind of attitude from her, her and you and I both know win or die attitudes are sort of what it takes in order to break through in a marathon um, and I just don't think we're going to get that from her but I do think it, it's not a bad idea to lay up get her positioning just right so she can she can nail it on the next one. Um, and uh, there will be another one in the spring, I'm sure, as she looks at um, then prepping for the trials after that. So, um, yeah, I think we'll see from Laura Thweet maybe 226, 227. Um, but I don't think we'll see 225. One thing I can predict is that we will see a significant personal best from Gwen Jorgensen. <laughs> <laughs> her PB two forty one currently yeah, from New so York. So I'm not str- I'm not I'm not putting it all out there. Huge am I? prediction there. <laughs> so uh, I do think we're going to get a PR, and I think she'll be in the sub two twenty sub two thirty range. The real question here, Chris, and I think this is a key. This is a key question. I'm going to send back to you. Okay, what do you think Gwen needs, or it, it does Gwen need a result from this of some sort of uh, at some level that she and Jerry can sort of use as a as a as a push to the next 
race or do you feel like because we're running out of time for her there's not a whole lot more opportunities to be optimally prepared so what do they need to get out of this um result and is this a race where she says she's not ready to go with the leaders but does she go with them you know there's a lot of different ways you could play this as a coach because what is it that as I said to Greg, Greg Mackin in one of our uh, podcast training group questions is he was asking about what race plan to run. And I'm like, well, what's the big race? It's in Boston. What do you need to learn? What do you need to practice? Practice that. So, I do, you know, is this a situation where Gwen practices something or is this a situation where she gets a mark? Because if she doesn't get a mark, um, you know, it's a, it's an open. Yeah, it's, it's kind of an question. interesting question. I don't think the mark matters. I don't think her time matters that much unless she just blows up completely and you know hobbles home to a 238 or something i i don't think the the number matters i don't think i don't think whether she runs 225 226 227 228 229 i don't think it really matters i think what because ultimately that's not going to be fast enough to get what she wants which is to win an olympic gold medal in the marathon i think the only thing that matters really here is getting experience at the marathon distance learning to suffer in these kinds of races in ways that she's going to have to suffer when she's able to come back to it with better fitness. Because I don't think, I don't think the time she runs here will tell us anything about the time she's going to be able to run the next time she lines up. You know, she's so new to this kind of training. I mean, really this is early in the game for her in a sense, even though she doesn't have a lot of time, it's early in the game in a sense for her in terms of training under Jerry training with the big miles doing long run workouts with Shalane and Amy and and so there's no way you could possibly expect her to drop a big result here. If she does, great, and obviously that'll be a big confidence booster. I'm not expecting it, but I don't think she needs to have any certain time in order to believe that the process is working. I agree with you. I'm 100% in agreement there, but I think a lot of that has to do with Gwen Jorgensen. I think that that another athlete, like I think Laura Thweet needs this in this right. way. You're like right. she needs to line it up this way. She's coming off a health scare. She's trying to figure out where to where to position herself, where her fitness has put her. She is not raced in a long time. Gwen raced all spring. She got lots of opportunities. They weren't optimal, but they were. But she did get to race. So I'm a hundred percent with you. A lot of that has to do with Gwen and the way that we know that she will come. She will be in the mix at the Olympic trials, no matter what. For sure, whether she makes the team or not is something altogether different, but she will be in the mix for sure. And so I think it, it, it will be a lot more about what she needs to work on here and getting that mark that puts her in that. And I think, you know, because I think a 225 to 227 is reasonable here. Um, I just wonder about the weather and both these two women train in optimal weather conditions. Um, so Laura trains in, in Boulder, Colorado. So while she's got altitude to deal with, she's not dealing with heat-related issues that she has to deal with. Or humidity. Or humidity. And Gwen, although she's in a humid place um, and came off of a summer in a humid place, I don't know. I've been... Portland is a really beautiful place all summer long. <laughs> yeah. so, and you it's know. relatively dry in the summer. Yes, it is relatively dry. Yeah, And the kind of humidity we're talking about and circumstances are not typical there and that she, we're looking at. She also has that tall frame. I mean, that... that a lot of skin. Yeah, I mean, there's yep. a lot of skin to dissipate heat. And so it's challenging dissipating heat for her. So we'll see. You know, I'm sort of expecting... I don't know what to expect exactly, but I don't think we'll see either of them run faster than a 227. I think somewhere between 227 and 2, 
229 is probably what we'll see from the two of them. I'm predicting a little faster. I'm saying 226, 227. Well, I guess we're pretty close. 225 to 227 for Gwen, and I think we'll get 227, 228 from Laura. So we're in the same ballpark range. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the one thing that will be interesting, I mean, they, they don't have a separate women's start in Chicago, if I'm... If no, I'm they start together. Correct. So so that's probably good for those two athletes because they're going to end up with some guys around them, which might be annoying, but more than that, it'll probably be helpful because they'll probably be able to latch on to a pack of men who's gonna, who's, who are going to be shooting for similar times. So they're not going to get caught in no man's land like they would in New York or Boston. So that probably helps them out. But as you say, it's going to be a little warmish. Temperatures are for, forecasted to be in the upper 50s at the start, warming into the 60s pretty quickly with humidity. Might rain a little bit, which will probably benefit the athletes to cool things off. It does look like it will be overcast, which should help the main field so that they're not getting completely <laughs> destroyed by the sun later in the in the race, as we've seen with Chicago. But we'll see. I'm certainly rooting for these two women to have big days but i just think it's going to be difficult given the circumstances laura thwee coming back from injury and gwen really just getting her marathon sea legs but we will see and we'll see how what that means of course we'll pontificate about what that means once we get the results for them going into the trials in 2020 all right, so that's the women's field. Now we're going to turn it over to the men's field, which is certainly more competitive than we saw with Berlin. You've got the three the three big dogs sort of at the top of this field duking it out. Doesn't mean that there won't be other players in the mix, but I think it re as it relates to going for the win, there's three three players involved, which would be, of course, Mo Farah, Galen Rupp, and Joffrey Karui who we've talked about many times as potentially one of the few folks that could rival Elliot Kipchoge, given his his resume so far. So, But he's a Dodger. <laughs> until today. You know, until, until today. This weekend. And, yep. you know, he's typically not raced paced races. At least we haven't seen a lot from him on that. One of the interesting things about Karui is he has been consulting with Patrick Sang and spending some time in training with Elliot Kipchoge, at least at because he was a Canova guy, at least before, at Kipchoge's yeah. camp, and so now apparently he's being coached by himself, spending some time training alone and some time training with the Patrick Say camp. Interesting. So that's kind I of did interesting. not know that. Yeah, yeah, getting some advice from the great one's coach and maybe the great one himself. So that has kind of an interesting recall, interesting storyline, but probably more interesting in terms of head to head would be Farah versus Rupp, which would be two two former training partners who both trained previously under Salazar going head to head in a marathon for the first time. Of course Farah is now coached by Paula Radcliffe's husband in the UK. And so they've got different coaches now, but uh, but they're here here they are in the same race. It doesn't it looks like everybody's relatively on form. I know Rupp has had some Achilles issues he, he has apparently been managing, was planning to do a prep race in Europe, but backed out of that, but says he's still been consistently getting in all of his work. 
How do you break down or handicap those three, Steve? Ugh. It's tough. Right? I mean, it's so hard. A lot of the well, the good news is we've got a paced race, right? Yep. So that that's a good thing. Now, let me explain to our listeners why it's a good thing. It's a good thing because it guarantees that um so you got to get a little hist- history here. The way that both Galen Rupp and um, Mo Farah like to race based on their track pedigrees, of course, track and road are two different things, is they usually don't care about paces. Um, and it's they've always been happy to win in a 30-minute 10K, which is really, really slow, as happy to win in that as they would be as he was in London when he won, or World Champs when, he ran, when they ran so fast. So it doesn't really, really, it's ultimately... Those two guys don't really care about paces. And I think we need a well-paced race in order to make this race really intriguing. I don't think it's going to work if they just sit around for 20 miles and then run a hard 10K at the end. And I think Karui is also somebody who's probably would be very happy to do the same thing based just on the limited racing we've seen him do. He seems to be someone who just wants to get the win. So I like the fact that there's pacers because it keeps the race moving. At least there's a group up front that goes that way, whether everybody goes with them or not. Now, I can make those arguments, Chris, but the thing about running 10Ks and 5Ks on the track is that you can run another one in a week later. So it's also one thing that sort of argues against that attitude of running a fast of not running a fast race and they'll let it sit around is they also don't want to waste an opportunity on a perfect course with great competition to run faster than they've run before because they know in order to race against Ilya Kipchoge, they're going to have to be in that 203-204 range on an optimal day and an optimal course. So it's looking like they're not going to get an optimal day, but it looks like they do get an optimal course. They've got pacers. They've got great competition. This is a foolish day to sit around and play tiddlywinks and not race. And I do think that that's one of the things Mo Farah is thinking about because Mo Farah, as opposed to Laura Thweet and Gwen Jorgensen, as we were talking about, he needs to bridge this gap. If he doesn't bridge this gap at some point, he's not gonna. I don't believe he's going to feel confident enough, and we need to see him pushing that, that ticker down. I don't think Karui or Rupp care, right? But I think Mo does. I don't think Karui cares necessarily about beating Ilya Kipchoge. I think he just cares about this next race. He, to me, is the quintessential dumb racer when I see him. <laughs> like, he just wants to win this race. And that's what makes him so fucking dangerous is that he can't think about any other thing. And he will give everything he has, I believe, on race day. But, and, and Rupp just, he's, I don't think, I think Rupp at this point in time, he knows he's not going to an Olympic gold medal. It, it's, and I think this is the day, and if he is, though, this is the day we'll find out, right? So, He's got a lot on the line as well about how competitive he's going to be because he's got he's got range to move if he wants to medal, right? So both these guys have got to get something. Karui doesn't need to get shit except for the win, and that's all he cares about. So that's sort of the way I look at it. How the race will play out, I think they'll let the Pacers go. I don't know exactly what they're pacing towards, Chris, but did they make an announcement on that yet? No, Do you know? we don't. But you know, but I think we can assume. 204, 205. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it, we can assume that Rupp is going to want the American record, Correct. which would put him at 204 and change. And so my guess is they go out in 204, 204, something like that. And that's a stretch down. That's a place for both of them to be, right? That's a, And if they can run 204 low, 204 
high that's huge on this race course and that's something that they'll walk away from going bam we've got it so i think we're just going to see a paced race where guys sit in the pack and hopefully the pacers do their job and run the paces that they need to run you know they don't have to run world record pace for these guys they just have to have a solid pacing and then but i do think chris that one of the things we will see is i do think there's a danger of us seeing this race slow down after 20 miles um sometime around 30k uh because it's going to get to the point where winning matters more. And I do think that that's where this race plan comes into play and where I think Karui has a huge advantage over the other two runners. Is I think Karui um, has the advantage because he's not going to be afraid to take it. And he'll take it late and he'll hold the pedal to the metal and he'll go after it. That also offers a great opportunity for Farah and Rupp. And then I think the race plays, if that happens, right, and Karubi doesn't play tiddlywinks and doesn't sit down and play you know, jockey for position with them, we could see a really fast race, and it'll be so much fun to watch that last 10K. Well, and we know that, at least we've seen from Rupp, we've seen from Karubi big finishes. Yes. You know, We haven't yet seen it from Farrah because he really hasn't been in that kind of a race in London this year chasing Kipchoge. It was a hot day. Everybody was going backwards at the end. And he showed how tough he was by he what toughness, he did. Yes. But we haven't seen him get that 445 mile at the end of a race, which Rupp has done now, and which he did at Prague last year. Mm-hmm. And we know Karui has done that in Boston. So that'll be a test for Farrah yes. to see what he can do. It's going to be interesting. I mean, if you look at the fields, Rupp has the six fastest PR. Farah has the eighth fastest PR, and Curry has the ninth fastest PR. So it's weird to be talking about those guys six to nine as your favorites to <laughs> win, because you know. But the reality is, those guys just haven't been in situations where necessarily it was optimal to run fast times, and so that's why here we are talking about them as favorites. Of course, you've got. The Ethiopian Garamu, who won Dubai <laughs> again, we've got the Dubai Fool's Gold there, and his his result was a two of four flat there. You've got another Ethiopian leg- Legacy who finished also in Dubai two of four fifteen. So a couple of Ethiopians there with with Dubai PRs. Well, they went one two in that race. Yeah, so. Jackson Chumba from Kenya, who's run two of four thirty two. He did well in Tokyo. You've got... He won two Tokyos, Tokyo twice. Yeah, you've got Abel Karui, 2016 Chicago champ, who's run 205. Kip Kamoy from Kenya as well, who set a PR in Rotterdam. So those five guys are also going to be in the mix and certainly in that lead pack with this group because they've run these paces before. But why is it that we believe that they won't be able to rival the three that we just talked about? Well, because because if it's real, it can take the pressure. <laughs> and I think there's going to be a lot of pressure here. Now, the thing is, I do believe that both Garamu uh, and Legacy, we need to take them seriously. I mean, I do think that they are two guys we should be talking about. And But I'm not so worried about Dixon Chumba. Even though he won, even though he won Tokyo, I think that he'll... 
he'll get dispatched late in this race, given the pedigree of the other guys and the way that this race will play out. Um, you know, there's one guy we haven't talked about yet who I'm really interested in seeing and somebody who I think uh, potentially could crack into this top three, Chris, is Augustine Chogi, who has an unbelievable range. He's run a 144 half marathon and a, I mean, 144 half mile. So 800 meters and 144. And he's run 59.26 for a half marathon. Um, and he's debuting in his first marathon ever here. So he's an interesting storyline I think we should be paying attention to. Um, can he extend that range all the way up? Um, the fact that he's gone 59.26 is super real and really legitimate. Um, the, I, 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 I really think he probably can't. I'm not sure that he's going to be able to stretch it all the way to a marathon. But we've got a lot of other players in here who we could, you know, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion, Chris, that these four, these three guys that we just talked about are going to be one, two, and three. I do not think Certainly that that's Certainly not. A, yeah. I agree with that. I mean, I, th I think the podium is going to be much more dynamic, but I tend to still believe that one of those three guys will be at the top of it. And then how it plays out after that is going to depend on how the race goes because I think you're definitely going to see, you know, potentially one or two of the big three sort of fall away as things get 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 gnarly because in some ways they have more pressure than everybody else, right? I mean, you say Kuri doesn't have as much pressure. I, I tend to agree with that. But, you know, but at the same time, you know, he's defending world champion, finished first in Boston a year ago, second in Boston this year. You know, if he doesn't win or for some reason winning is off the table, does he then just sort of fold up his chair and say, oh, look, I'm just going to slide away and, and save it for another day? And what scenario do you think he's not going to be in there for the win, though? <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, well, that, that to me is know, like that's a good question. Yeah, because I, I, I think that no, I don't think I don't think I don't think that this guy even con contemplates that. <laughs> so then what are your picks on this one? How, how does this go? One, so, two, three. Um, so I'm going, I'm basically going, this is so hard. I'm going with Karui for the win. I really in my gut think, I do think that there's a really good scenario. I think it's either going to be Karui or Mo. Those are my one, two. And I, I think Mo is going to win. I mean, I think I think uh, Karui's going to win, but I also can see Mo nipping him at the line or getting him over the last little bit. I just don't think that. I just don't know. You know, the toughness that Mo show. I would be definitely going with Karui for sure for the win, if I hadn't watched Mo fight at London the way he fought, um, the way he fought, and the way he executed, and the way he ran that race put him. Um, in the real big boy category of marathoners, in my opinion, even though the time wasn't that great. So I think it's going to be a flip about which of those two guys gets it, and it's going to come down to the last 800 meters, and it's going to be super exciting. But it's going to be one of those two. So I'm going with Karui because I just think the dumb runner, the dumb athlete will prevail, even with even with what I think Mo Farah is going to be bringing to the table. Um, and then, Chris, in third place, I'm going to go with... Um, Garamu, because I think two or four O, we haven't seen anything out of these out of these Ethiopians lately. They seem to not have performed so great, but 
shit. We saw we there's always one that's there ready to go. We talked about this at at um Berlin. They didn't show up at Berlin, so I think they brought their two best players here. And I'm going to go with the one who beat the other one by 15 seconds as going for the win. So I'm going to go with Garamu for third. And I'm going to put Rupp at fourth. I think Rupp will hold on and get fourth, but I just don't think he's all there. Now, my wild card, major wild card, is definitely um, Augustine Chogi. I am putting him in as my wild card. I don't know what position, but shit. I'm just saying, I'm calling him as a as a guy to pay attention to. Um, and another one to pay attention to also in that group is... Um, Kuroki, who's run really, really fast for the half, but he hasn't run really well in a marathon. He's somebody who could pop. Now, one guy we haven't even talked about, Chris. Yuki? Kawauchi. Kawa yeah, why are we not talking about Yuki? We haven't even well, talked about him. I was going to get to Kawauchi. I okay. don't think he has legit chance to be on a podium, but he neither is an intriguing storyline. Yeah, line. neither do I. Okay, well, so get we'll get to, to we'll him get later. To Yuki. So give me your picks. What do you? How do All you think right. it's going to play out? So I'm agreeing with you. I think Karui wins. I think he's the second best marathoner in the world. All we've seen him do is win races, and he needs to be proven other. It needs to be and, proven yeah, otherwise to be able to win. And he's been, and he's shown that he's been able to drop times at the end of marathons and close things out. Now, how he'll perform in a paced race, we still haven't really seen that, so that is a question mark. When he goes out in two hundred four, two hundred five, is that going to change his ability to close things down? That we'll see. But you've seen that. I don't know, that ice stare from him. I mean, the only thing that kept him from repeating at Boston was the damn parachute he was wearing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I went back and looked. He ran a 17, I'm uh, sorry, a 713 final mile. He was jogging. Because he was, you know, he just literally could, could which, like, was just stop fighting his parachute. Which makes your argument about whether he'll bail if it is bad. But I don't think, you know, there, he also misjudged. He, he misjudged his move. He yeah. misjudged his move. And if he'd gone half mile later, and for sure, if he went a mile later, he would have won, for sure. Yeah. If he went a half mile later, he might have won. And even though the the gap was huge, he just get, didn't get it done. Well, and in that case, if Rupp had gone another mile, then Karui wouldn't have responded the way he did Correct. until that next exactly. mile. So anyway, so, you know, whatever. We throw Boston out. But he still finished. So, you know, you got to give him props for that. But Karui for the win. I'm going Rupp for second. <laughs> Man, going yeah. big pick. No, I think this is, in some ways, it's a comfort zone for Ruppy. Won Chicago last year. He's run with Karui, so he knows what that's like. You know, I think he can settle in and do it here. And, you know, he hasn't, you know, he's, he's he was said he was dealing with the Achilles issues, but it's still gotten in all of his results. He's been apparently running fucking 20-mile long runs on 300-meter laps I around the grass. I saw that. I mean, so the guy is just... He's a machine He's a when it machine. comes to like sticking his nose in somebody's ass and following them. And so I like Ruff for second. I think the only reason Farah hung on so dearly at London was because he was in front of the home crowds and he would have been eviscerated mm. by the media there had he or I mean he may have been just torn like drawn and quartered in the streets had he walked off that course. Dude, you give you you so, have no love for Mr. Mo. You no have love. zero love for that so guy. So I'm I'm saying that Farah perhaps even DNFs in this one. Ooh. I'm going with Dixon Chumbo for third. Nice. Because this guy, this to, guy yeah. podiums. I mean, if you look at his last five years, he's been either first and third or third in Tokyo every year. And he's finished first, second, and third in Chicago. He didn't run in 2017 in Chicago. But basically all he's done in Tokyo and Chicago the last five years is get on podiums. And so... 
you know, I think he's not going to be able to go up against the buzz saws that are Rupp and Karui, but I think he's going to sneak on the podium as he tends to do for third. So I'm going Chumba for third. I would say Farah DNF. And then after that, uh, pick I your, actually, pick your, pick yeah, after that pick, pick, but I would say <laughs> if I were going to pick a fourth, it would actually be the other Japanese player in this field. Osaka? Yeah, Osaka. Yeah. He who, trains with who finished third in Boston in 2017, ran a P- PR earlier this year in Fukuoka, and he trains. His coach is Alberto Zalazar slash, and he's a 207 guy. Yeah, so yeah. he'll be so he'll, he'll be, be ready. He'll for be sure. ready. Yeah. So if While I were you're podiuming pick, him, you're not even going to make. W- I wouldn't podium. I'm I mean, fourth, sorry, fourth. fourth. Do you have a wild card? Somebody who uh, who you get to just put in there, and if they show, if they show up and give you something, you get a you get a little you get bonus <laughs> love. Um. I don't. I don't know that I'd have anybody that consider a wild card. I mean, I guess, uh, you know, I think. I mean, he's again not really a wild card, but I think if there was going to be another Kenyan in the mix, it'd be Abel Karui, who has finished, who won Chicago in 2016. It's so only a Super couple of years ago. Yep. It's a consistent mm-hmm. guy. You know, he's he's the type of guy who could sneak into third as well. And he was fourth in London, so he's yeah. He was he was with those guys when it mattered too. So yep. So there you go. So Karui, Rupp, and Chamba. So we've got at least second and third different on both sides of this field. So that's interesting. We'll see how it plays out. Now, we have to talk briefly about the other Americans in the field, which, by the way, Americans marathoning, American marathon men not named Rupp has been a pretty sad, is in a pretty sad state. I think Let's Run had a stat recently that the the next fastest American would be somebody you couldn't even name, Nico something or other, who's run 214 this year. Basically, after Rupp, there's nobody else. And and But but Chicago could potentially change that. We've got Pescadra, Luke Pescadra running. He's run a 210. We've got Elkanah Kibet from the U.S. Army crew, who's run 211. Tyler McLandis, Aaron Braun. Kian Dandina, who's also trains with Kibet. Andrew Bumbleo, who hasn't really yet had a breakthrough at this distance, was fifth at Boston. You know, on that terrible weather day, he didn't fall apart. Fair know? enough. Yep. And then Parker Stenson, who you know, the local Cedar Park product, who went out, led the race at CIM through two ten, and then blew up after that. So he's run two eighteen. He says he's shooting for two eleven. So you never know. Some smattering of any of those. Seven or eight other Americans could be somewhere between two ten and two twelve, but honestly, I wouldn't hold my breath. What do you think? Uh, I think there's some interesting bylines here in terms of thinking about our Olympic trials. Um, you know, coming up eighteen months from now. You know. So I think that that's the only value here is how these guys stacking up. Of course, in races where they don't run shoulder to shoulder against each other, you know, this race has got a clear delineator up front who's going to be clear delineators up front who are going to be controlling the race. None of these guys is thinking about winning it. So, um, you know, how they strategize and how they play it, it really gives them some freedom to be able to just run the best time that they can. Weather conditions aren't that great. Yeah, I don't think we'll see any American under 212. I do think if we do see an American under 212, though, I'm going to go out on a on a limb and call it for Parker Stinson. He's definitely got his game up, and I don't know if anybody's been able to see some of the social media stuff he's put up. He's got some some little short 
video movies that are floating around there that are really interesting to watch. Um, and, you know, he's the quintessential super smart guy but a dumb runner. And he, I think, you know, I've been preaching this a long time, and he, he's got that ability to, to just believe what his coach says. He believes in his coach, Brad Hudson, 100%. He does 90% of his training by himself. At least all his hard efforts are by himself. He knows how to take risks. At CIM, he was on sub-210 pace through 20 miles, Chris. So he he's not afraid to go for it. And it looks like fool's errand. It looks like a stupid move. But one of these days, a guy like Parker Stinson can pull it off. So I do say keep an eye on him. It would be great to see him get in that 210 range. If you do, you've now got somebody else you're talking about who could be in the mix behind Rupp in terms of who's going to make an Olympic team. Because right now... We don't know, but this race, open. but this race will help us get a little clearer on who's real. Is you know, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like Sambu and Quebec. We know they're in a good system. Are they going to produce? Are they going to finally show up? Stephen Sambu was built for this race. You know, I've called him a couple times in other races. He's just not showed up when the going got tough, and so we'll see. But I do think the the interesting thing is just how it plays out back there. Do the guys get what they need to to feel confident about their racing? And will this give them a stepping stone for confidence going into the trials? And that's really the only stories there that are worth talking about. Yeah, I'd like to see... You know what I'd love to see? I would love to see Parker Stenson go with the lead pack <laughs> and just see what the hell happens after that. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past him. You know, he's the type of guy that was that would do something crazy like that. He ran, he went out in 208 pace at CIM. I don't think he'll go out in 204, 205 with those leaders, but I think it would be awesome to see that. I, I just don't know. I have zero confidence in any of these guys. If I had confidence in any of them, it would probably be Andrew Bumbleau because of what he was able to manage in Boston and because he's with the Schumacher crew. I want to see, I want to see something from him. He's way too talented to be a 213.58 marathoner. And he trains with the best coach in the U.S. at any distance. And so if he can't turn that into something, then what the hell is he even doing this for? <laughs> and so anyway, but I just at this point have zero confidence that we're going to see anything faster than a 213 from anybody in that group that I just mentioned. I hope I'm wrong because damn if the American men don't need some we need some, some storylines, yeah, yes. contenders and storylines at the marathon distance. Because frankly, the women are kicking their asses handily up and down. <laughs> so, anyway, so we'll see. But that'll be sort of a secondary set of storylines to watch on the men's side after the Rupp versus Farah versus Karui battle. So we shall see. There you go. That's our preview, folks. Tune in on Sunday morning to check it out. Again, coverage starts at 8 a.m. Eastern. Race starts at 8.30 a.m. Eastern on NBC Sports and NBC Sports Gold Online. You can check in to see how our predictions fare. Now, we'll sign off. Thanks to everybody for listening. As always, you can check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Rogue Running. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. All right, so if you're still listening, even though we wrapped it up, we just realized we forgot to ask <laughs> one question, which is, will Rupp get the American record, which is 205.38, sad bike lead Canucci. We know Ryan Hall's run faster than that in Boston. He ran 204.58, I believe, but that was not on a certified record-certified course.
So he's got to be 205.38 in order to get the American record. We just went back and forth on it before we <laughs> decided to just chime back in. This will be like a little Easter egg of content for people that stay on till the bitter end. What do you think, Steve? Will he get it? I So here's the thing. I mean, uh, and, I, and in the interest of full disclosure, since our listeners didn't get to hear me bantering, uh, banting this about, where I basically argued for and against with Chris just sitting there smiling, wondering where I was going to come out, knowing that I'll just talk my way into and out of nearly every scenario. I don't, I think, I predicted he would get it, but I'm backpedaling from that position now. I think I predicted he would get it because I thought that the race was just going to be that fast. I do think in order to get on the podium, as you think he will, he'll probably need to break the American record. But I just don't think this weather and these conditions are up certified. So I think that even though it's something he really, really wants and it's something they've probably been training for, I do think what's going to happen there out there on the course is going to be more important to him. Um, and I don't know that he's really ready. Um, and so I don't think that that's going to be a, I think that's going to come off the table given the conditions, but I can argue for him getting the record because even if he gets fifth place, he could still go under the current American record that Khalid Kanuchi has. So I'm saying no, Chris, I'm predicting no record, no American record at this race for Galen Rupp. I'm going to agree with that. Now you're going to ask, well, how the hell is he going to be on the podium <laughs> exactly. if he doesn't run 205.38? And I, I think, you know, I think they're going to pace this one somewhere between. So I'm going to guess that they go out in an equivalent pace for 204.30 to maybe even 205. And if that's true, on a warm day, doesn't take much to slide off of that to miss it. So I'm going to say that Karui gets under with something like 205 low for the win. And that Rupp is just over in 205 high, 206 low to get second. And then, you know, s the rest after that. So that's that's what I'm going to say. Again, I agree with you. I think the weather's going to be a little bit too much. Rupp has done okay in warmer weather races. Boston, when he got second to crew, it was a little bit warmer that day. Obviously, he ran the Olympic trials where he won in 2016. So he's... He's had the opportunity to run in warmer weather and I think knows how to play that, but it, but it does it will limit their ability to hold those paces, I think, for 26.2. So I'm going to agree with you there. No record for Rupp. And with that and the <laughs> other 10 people that are still listening to this, we will sign off. See you guys. <laughs>